When I was a kid, we didn't have TV in our house. Not because my parents were opposed to TV, but just because we couldn't get any stations. I mean, we lived up in the mountains. This was the 60s, and there was no reception, so we had no TV. We had radio. Maybe one reason I got into radio when I was a teenager, as a career for many years. But radio was, you know, limiting, I guess. Uh, we could listen during the day to a couple of stations in Bend, which was, you know, 40 miles away, and they didn't come in all that great. And sometimes we get some Portland stations. They didn't come in all that great. At night, we got to listen to a lot of radio because AM radio just got blast through the atmosphere at night. We listened to Blazer games. I remember listening to uh, San Francisco Giants with my brother, who was a big Giants fan. Uh, but late at night, I would also uh, get under the covers and have my radio on like I wasn't supposed to, but I had my little earphone in and uh, I'd listen to Wolfman Jack. <laughs> he would be booming on like a half a million watt signal south of the Mexican border, screaming away, playing those great oldies and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of fun memories. But, you know, we had enough choices, right? There seemed to be plenty to choose from. Fast forward to today. And, you know, the choices for listening just to audio is immense. You got radio, of course. You got uh, streaming music, CDs, records, tapes, podcasts satellite radio the list just goes on and on when it comes to uh, uh video youtube alone has hundreds of millions of things you can choose from then you have netflix you know hulu disney hbo showtime tv stations cable networks everything i know holy crap that's a lot of stuff hey this is tim patterson this is trade show guy monday morning coffee for let me see it must be the 18th we're just kind of zooming through may may 18th is actually a notable anniversary here in the northwest it's the anniversary in 1980 so this would be uh, 40 years ago today that saint helens blew its top mount saint helens big deal all of us that were here back then uh, remember where we were and i do remember exactly where i was as a matter of fact when i heard about it i had been out for a morning walk and i went to the park there's a park here called bush park and i think the only time in, ever in my life i sat down and like did yoga or meditated or something because I was uh, alone and I was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to relax. Nice, nice sunny morning. And then I got back home and my phone rang three or four times. People from the radio station telling me, St. Helens blew its top. We need to get down and report on it. So that's, that's the memory, May 18th. So uh, talking about the media world, though, it's just fracturing like crazy. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be, for instance, in a band in this day and age. Uh, no doubt the music industry is going through an upheaval of the likes of which it has never seen, especially not only with the fracturing over the last 10, 20 years or so of the industry, but of how to deal, like so many other industries and businesses, with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I thought it might be worthwhile to catch up on today's show with an old friend, uh, Jay Gilbert, that I've had on the show before. I'll put a link to his original interview, which was a good one, uh, good insight into the music industry kind of in the events but not really uh jay and i go back several decades and he spent much of that time in the music industry working for major labels and that sort of thing a few years ago he and a friend uh split off from their own company they work with artist management and a few artists and you know i said how are we nav how are you guys navigating through this crazy world and uh, the answer was uh, well surprising I, I looked at a couple things how's this company doing and then how is the industry uh, any larger since doing and uh, here's that conversation jay i want to thank you for joining me here on trade show guy monday morning coffee good to see you this morning uh, i hope you're see uh, you. well and and healthy and all that stuff and family yep. members and everything yeah thank you uh, you too 
I know when we, we had, had you on the show, Ash, a year, year and a half ago, and, and we connected for lunch in early March. Uh, real briefly, like uh, first week of March, I was down for a show, which didn't happen. It got canceled. I was, I was on the plane there. <laughs> um, crazy. You know, and that's when things started to really kind of change uh, mm-hmm. sh- dramatically. And so we had lunch. It was great. And yeah. I thought I'd catch up with you and see uh, your, your, your company. You and your partner have a company called Label Logic. Yep. It's with artists. So uh, maybe just a recap of what your company does. And then let's talk sure. about what, what you guys are doing. Yeah, Label Logic. You know, it's Jeff and I are longtime record company guys. Uh, we worked at Universal together for almost twenty years, um, and about five six years ago, we decided to strike out on our own because the music industry had changed so much. And we started a label and artist services company called Label Logic, and we're, our clients are mainly artist managers um, and some artists, and we run labels for them and help them manage their business. So you're not really managing an artist as much as you are working with their management and, and, and labels, things like that. So yeah. you're kind of like a step away from an actual artist, although you do work with a few artists, as, as you said. Is that correct? Yeah, we do, um, but not in a management capacity. Right. Management is a whole nother ball it's game. Different thing. Um, one of our uh, friends and longtime clients, uh, Doc McGee, has a really great saying that uh, everyone's a bull rider until you open up the gate. And everybody thinks that uh, they can get into artist management. It's it's a whole different breed of cat because it's it's you're a therapist, you are an educator, you are a babysitter, and you're a business person. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people don't necessarily know and don't want to know how that sausage is made. But uh, we work really closely with artist management. We know what their needs are. And it's been it's been a good run so far. Good, good. So obviously, uh, with the COVID-19, the pandemic, everything has changed. I know here in the trade show world, uh, event world, uh, you're kind of like an offshoot of that in a sense, because you do events or your your your, your clients are involved in events. Uh, you know, yeah. we have nothing going on right now. And, and for yeah. the foreseeable future, I know that in, in China, I just saw that they've had a couple of trade shows in the last few weeks. Uh, things are shifting, but here in the States, it's, it's going to be a challenge. What are you guys doing? How, do you, how are you approaching this? What's kind of your internal conversation? Well, it's kind of crazy. Our business is actually busier than it was pre-pandemic, and hmm. we wouldn't have thought that. Right. But my partner and I both work from our homes and have for many years, so we're used to Uh, carrying on business from home. But what's happening is this new music business, we like to call it always on. So you don't want to leave a big gap. Like when you and I were growing up, there was a release cycle that could have been 18 months um, between, you know, albums. And you might not even hear from that artist after, you know, they released the album other than a tour. Well, now you need to continually engage your audience you need to continually release music and videos and communicate and have that relationship via socials and youtube um, with your audience and that's where jeff and i come in we we help managers and artists to you know we are their label infrastructure in a lot of cases and we continually help them to communicate with their their audience so this pandemic at least up until now has just made our business uh, busier as Hmm. more people want to release music. Um, They know a lot of people are at home. They're also doing some really interesting things. 
um, virtually, right, of right. Uh, collaborating with their um, with their fans, um, which is really interesting to see yeah. what they're doing. Like one of our clients has taken it to a whole new level. Um, they're called the Licorice Quartet, and okay. it's it's L I C K E R I S H, which is a totally different word if you if you Google right. it. Yep. Anyway, they they're they're members that used to be in the band Jellyfish and Imperial Drag, and you know these guys have played with everybody from Cheryl Crow to Slash to Alice Cooper. They're very sought after touring musicians, songwriters, etc. The reason I bring it up is if you go to their website, you'll see that not only do they have you know CDs and vinyl and T-shirts that you can you know that their fans can grab, but they're they're selling experiences. So mm-hmm. you can do a Skype call with the guys. You can write a song with them. You can have a piano lesson with one of the guys. You can remix one of your songs or they'll mix one of your songs. And they've really taken it to another level. And, and I'm really having a lot of fun watching these artists adapt. You know, like right now we're doing this conversation via Zoom. Right. Well, a lot of us hadn't even heard of Zoom, even though they'd been around a while. When this pandemic is over, I get the sense that we're going to have a lot of new um, weapons in our arsenal, you know, that we can use. And I think artists are going to, yeah, they're going to continue to tour, but now they're going to pepper in some of these other things like, uh, you know, live streaming events and the AMAs or Ask Me Anything, you know, where you, you ask your fans to submit questions. And, you know, the last thing I'll say on this is that uh, another one of our friends and clients, um, the Accidentals, have taken this to another level as well. They're doing a daily breather. So every day at noon, they get on a live stream, they light a candle, they take a deep breath with you, they talk about things that they're thankful for, and then they play a song. And uh, I'm telling you, it's helping them grow their audience. It's very genuine. Uh, it's not selly at all. So those are just a couple of examples with the Licorice Quartet and the Accidentals, how artists today can kind of, I wouldn't say capitalize on this because that's the wrong word, but to make the best out of a bad situation. Yeah, and and I, the word that kept coming into my mind is intimate. It, 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 you become much more intimate to your fans and they get to know you better. And in a sense, you get to know them better as well. A couple of things came to mind that uh, some bigger bands have done uh, uh you may have seen the video that uh, the Doobie Brothers did with people all around the world doing Blackwater, kind of with starting with Tom Johnson. So cool. and were, All these other people came in. That was great. And then um, uh, 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 Billy Armstrong of Green Day every Monday morning releases a, a Monday song, a cover of some yeah. vintage, unknown, obscure sort of punk thing that probably inspired him when he was young. Uh, and yeah. it's great, you know, to see. Uh, and on Monday, I think, oh, I'm going to get that thing from Billy this morning. It's really cool, you know. He did yeah. that thing you do, and I think he did yeah, like a Bangles tune yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, Rick Springfield just put out a video, and it's you know it's kind of a song of hope. It's it's really cool. But what's really neat about it is, he's got like Ellen DeGeneres pops on, and you know Dozot Saint Marie, and like all you see all these different people joining in to sing with him, and. You know, those are things that we might not have thought of. And there's just the the coolest one I think I saw was a band called Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down. That's the name of the band. And I may be butchering the pronunciation. But um, they were kind of the first to do like a concept video via Zoom. And 
you, you just got to Google it and watch it. It's so well done um, where they actually use the windows to their advantage and move throughout the windows. And, oh, you know, these are skills that, you know, we, we wouldn't have had before. And one of the most compelling things that I saw was it was really surprising. Um, Richard Marks is doing these series of interviews. Um, and he's interviewing some really interesting people. And I watched this one where he was interviewing Paul Stanley from Kiss. Right. And they weren't really talking about their latest music. They were talking about ideology and cooking and just what it's like being in, you know, confinement. And right. it was strangely the most interesting interview I'd seen with either of them. Did you see them without their, without their persona on there without their face uh, front facing and public facing images it's really interesting yeah. yes you do get to know yeah, them they're better. not trying to sell anything yeah, yeah right right so let's look at kind of the industry more writ large i guess you obviously know a lot of people in the in the world of uh, records and, and music and tours and that sort of thing what are kind of some of the things you're hearing about how this will play out if they even have a sense of it what kind of things uh, come to mind well um I have been having a lot of these conversations and, and, you know, we have a, a, a podcast as well. And we had a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> a touring agent on uh, last week. And it was a really in interesting and honest conversation that the, the touring industry is not going to come back as soon as people think it is. Yeah. In, according to this gentleman, it, it could be two years. And the reason for that is, it's going to slowly come back in a sense like at first it might be some venues in some states open. So you're still not doing like a full on tour. And let's say you have a thousand seat capacity room. It might only be open for 500 for social distancing. And then you're having less employees uh, working there and you're selling like half the merch that you would sell right. and half the concessions. So you're bringing in less revenue and, it's going to take time, and if we do this right, if we're smart, um, we can get back to that new normal eventually, and hopefully we don't rush back too soon and, you know, and delay it even further, but I tend to agree with that. I think that this is going to, to get back to where we were, you know, uh, let's say pre-pandemic, uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a couple of years or more. I don't think it's going to happen in, you know, I know some folks are saying, you know, well, we're, we're going to keep this tour booked, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think they're going to end up canceling it and not postponing it. Um, but, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope summer comes and, you know, we come up with a, you know, vaccine or, you know, some kind of preventative medicine for this thing. But if you take a band like Kiss, they're not going to tour until there's some kind of, you know, vaccine yeah, for it. And, and, and then you've got all the meet and greets, right, yeah. that are probably not going to happen for unless they're between panes of glass. And a concert is such an intimate thing. I mean, I, 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 you may have seen the uh, article that uh, Dave Grohl at the Foo Fighters wrote uh, just recently when he talked about how great it was to be up on stage and what how important it is to not only uh, him, himself, but the audience and the band and everyone just, it's, it's such a thing. And, mm -hmm. and 
the audience is necessary. I mean, you could probably play a baseball game without an audience. It'd be harder to play like an NBA game without an audience because you feed, you know, those players feed off the audience, but Absolutely. you can't do the a energy. concert really without the audience. Not some of those. I mean, you can, could not imagine a Foo Fighters concert without, you know, 10, 15,000 people at least. It's a different so, experience, right? It, it, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. So you're right. I think it will take a long time until we get to the point where everyone is comfortable and they may open things up. They may say, hey, the, the, some governor of some state may say, we're fine here. We're just going to open things up. But if the people that would be attending that are thinking to themselves, I'm not quite ready, then it's not going to happen. So That's it's, right. it's just because someone in authority says it's okay, people, if yeah. they're not ready to go, it's not going to happen. So. I think you're absolutely right. And right now there's, you know, there may be a state or two that's starting to open up. But the public doesn't feel safe yet. And right. you can't really book a national tour with two states. You know? no. so. <laughs> or, or one state here and one state here. Right? You know, one over there. And, and yeah. especially with half. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't pencil out with half the audience. And no, and it's, it's heartbreaking for me because yeah. you and I both know a lot of people who make their living, whether it's yeah. with trade shows or being on the road crew or lighting or shipping. All these people are hardworking, great people. Yeah that they're getting hit the hardest um, with this thing because some of these artists and most of these artists can still put out music and videos and continue to generate revenue and grow their base. But man, if you're putting together the trade shows for these folks and if there's no trade show, yeah. you, you got to find something else. And unemployment is, you know, obviously ridiculously high and there's not a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah. It's just a heartbreaking situation for everybody involved. Yeah, and it's going to take a while to work through it. Jay, I really appreciate you spending time. I just wanted to kind of get your take on, on your company and, and the, the music you. world as it, uh, as it currently exists and when when we might get out of this. So uh, yeah. thanks again for taking time. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And thanks again to Jay Gilbert of Label Logic for shedding some light on what, uh, what their company is doing, as well as what some of the industry folks are doing uh, in the midst of the pandemic. No one knows when it will uh, let up. And as they say, he, as he says, he, they're looking not not another year, but maybe another two years before things return to normal. And yes, I'm using air quotes. Uh, this week's one good thing. My wife and I just finished watching uh, a mini series on, I think it was HBO called Chernobyl. I think it was six parts, five or six uh, one hour episodes on what happened in April of 1986 in Russia, in, in the Ukraine up in the, well, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, the USSR at the time. And the meltdown and the explosion at Chernobyl. It, it fascinating and an interesting look inside the political culture as well as they tried to cover it up and everything. Uh, but great acting, great story. Uh, I would highly recommend it. That's this week's One Good Thing, Chernobyl uh, on HBO. That does it for this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Check us out at tradeshowguy.net. There's a lot there uh, for you, including, of course, the latest podcasts. And there's a couple of books you can uh, buy. There's also some, you yeah, can get free chapters. I think you can actually get a download of one of the books on a PDF um, if you opt into the newsletter. And some other freebies as well there. It's all at tradeshowguy.net. Right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. See you next time around. <laughs>